What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Roberti, the business freelance writer here. In this episode, we're going to talk about omnipresent marketing. When you put your business out into the digital atmosphere and you are getting in front of customers, one of the things you have to do is have multiple touch points. So instead of relying on one platform, one method of communication, being able to spread all of that out allows relationships to develop quicker and also allows you to expand your reach. So we're going to talk about omnipresent marketing in this episode. We are joined today by the senior e-commerce expert over at OmniSend, which is an e-commerce marketing automation platform. Our guest has spoken at several e-commerce events and has been published and quoted in top retail and business publications. He has helped over 100 direct consumer companies reach more customers by becoming omnipresent. Our guest who joins us in this episode of Breakthrough Success is none other than Greg Zakowicz. Greg, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here and uh, chat about some cool marketing stuff here. Greg, it is a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success and omnipresent marketing it's such an all-encompassing way to promote your business, to reach customers, and it does have that focus on user experience. I'm wondering if you could break down that definition for us, because I think a lot of people have different ideas of what omnipresence means. Yeah, I think you know, to me, so this is you're right. It's it's somewhat debatable based on who you ask, right? Uh, tomato, tomato. But to me, it is being there with the consumer, whether it's B two B, D two C, whatever it might be with the right message, wherever they happen to be at that right time. So the proverbial right message, right time, right audience, uh, right channel, right? That's important now. But I think the buying journey, I, I always tell people, I did this uh, this slide at a presentation probably six years ago now. My lead up was like, I spent 10,000 of my own money developing the new customer journey. It was like five minutes on PowerPoint. And it's just a bunch of line scribbles, right? One side to the other. And I think that is our customer journey nowadays. So we need to be where the customer is wherever they are, whenever they want that information. And it's easier said than done, but um, there's a lot you can do to uh, simplify that, even if you're a small business or entrepreneur or whatever that might be. But uh, it's being there for them when they need it. I really like that definition of omnipresent marketing. Also that importance of picking the right channel. I want to go more into that because I feel like in the 2010s, there's a strong focus on being on every single social network imaginable, posting daily, on every or weekly on every social network imaginable, just pumping out content for the sake of pumping out content and being there. Uh, I'm wondering if you could talk about a little more about finding that right channel and what your thoughts on are, are is there such a thing as being on too many places at one time? Well, I think there can be with too many places at one time, especially on the social side, right? So social marketing is, or even paid search, right? Those are great channels to be on. And I think it, they're almost... In, it's a necessity for most brands to be on those channels, especially on the paid side. But that's kind of the problem now is we've seen that evolution from 10 years ago where it was more organic reach to pay to play, right? And that's just kind of the nature of the business there. And I think the curve we've seen over the last couple of years, and it looks like I was reading something last week, this might be coming down a little bit and kind of reverting back to where it was. But uh, you know, we've seen the cost and effectiveness of those paid channels, notably paid social decrease over the last two years, probably COVID related, but the costs continue to increase, right? So brands were kind of struggling with, well, this has always been my bread and butter, or this is one of my you know top channels. And then they had to figure out what to do there. 
the one thing we've seen that paralleled that, and it hasn't really gone away, never really went away, but kind of reverting back to some of those same channels, right? That were always consistent for them. And that was notably email marketing was that one. Um, SMS over the last couple of years, I'm sure we'll talk about that today, but that's been increasing uh, in usage as well. But email was that one that you always see 40 to one return on investment or whatever, but it's been pretty consistent for 10 years, you know? So we've kind of seen where brands were going, okay, we're a lot of paid social now, let's pull back a little bit, still do it. Super important to do in my opinion. Uh, but you know, let's try to refine that, but put some of that money and focus back into those things that we know are consistently driving sales for us or engaging customers to help feed those, uh, the paid retargeting, things like that later. So, uh, long answer to a very short question, but yeah, you can be on too many, but I think most brands, you know, they look at that and they know what mo too many is, right. If we're doing, uh, you know, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, uh, you know, Google and Bing ads and all these things. And you're looking and going, well, we're not really getting an engagement on Twitter here. Do you need to be on Twitter? That's the question you should be asking yourself, right? Maybe you do customer service or just be out there, but uh, you don't need to be focused the time there. And I think most brands recognize that, yeah, this is kind of where our sweet spot is. Now we just need to find a way to, to refine this, to make it better. Uh, but it's a lot of work, you know? I mean, customer engagement, that really tips you off on different platforms beyond like if you're using Twitter for customer support, it makes sense to have some type of presence there, but some platforms are naturally going to be better for your business than others. And with those advertisers, like Facebook and Google have a duopoly, like there are some other players as well, but uh, those companies can freely raise prices and especially if they see more demand and it's a slippery, like you got to be able to navigate that, but email as we were talking about a little bit, that is the one thing that you truly own. And I know that for a lot of the omnipresent marketing strategies, they revolve around automated emails. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on optimizing these emails and that approach, because I think a lot of people, they set automated emails and then forget about them and then traction kind of phase. Like, do you tweak campaigns? Yeah, this is so. This is probably my favorite conversation. It was my favorite conversation 10, 11 years ago with automation, too. It's just so much easier to do now, right? So it makes it better for you. Uh, so we have a, uh, we put out these stats reports each year where we look at all the customers' emails, SMS, all these things we send. So uh, early February, so I'm not sure we're recording this, obviously, but uh, tomorrow is the go live date. So by the time you're listening to this, it's already out there. It's an ungated stats report. So you can just check out Omnisense website in the report section and just browse at your leisure. So I was the one going through all the data, sorting it, trying to figure out these things here. But the one thing I've been tracking for years at Omnisense was what percentage of e-commerce sales from an email set are coming from automated messages versus your campaign scheduled messages. And what's the percentage of sends? So 2022, across the board, uh, we're looking at 31.5% of all email orders from automated messages, and that accounts for 1.8 of the total volume of sends. So you talk about the effectiveness of these automated messages, it's imperative for brands to do it. Now, which ones? Because that's the thing. It's like, okay, there's, there's birthdays and there's all these things. So out of that 31.5% of all orders, Coming from automated messages, there's three automated series that make up 88% of those 31.5% sales. And that's going to be your welcome series, your card abandonment, and your browse abandonment messages. So if you think about those things that they all have in common, high intent messages, right, for the consumer, welcome messages, you're signing up because you're new to your brand, 
and you want to drive that, you know, you want to drive that conversion at that point, but customers highly engage with you. Card abandonment, obviously they're engaged with you. They stuck stuff in their card and they abandon for whatever reason, but um, they've got close. And then browse abandonment is they're checking out your site, right? So there's, again, a, some level of intent there, whether it's buy now, buy later, buy with you, buy with someone else, but those are high intent messages. And I, I, I always tell brands, if you're looking for a place to start or you're looking for a place to optimize your current messages that you set and forgot, um, look at those high intent ones. Where are the consumers actually shopping? Where are they browsing? Where do they need more information? Uh, whatever it might be. And focus on those first. And the rest are nice to haves, but not necessarily need to haves on them. And I really like this, like understanding what the consumer is thinking and getting them at higher engagement points, like the welcome, like people are excited to learn about you and what you offer. And that's where they're going to listen to you a little bit more the car abandonment, you know, someone's already visited the cart. How many emails do you suggest for these sequences? Because I've seen some people say like three to five is good, but then other people may have like dozens of emails in a whole flow chart of uh, automation. Yeah, I think, so a lot of it's going to depend on the type of business you have. So I'll start quickly with the DTC side and then we'll go B2B if that's okay. Uh, because there's going to be, those marketing tactics are mostly the same. Now there's some differences, but they're joining together pretty well here. D2C, I'll give you the same answer for B2B. Don't force it, right? If they tell you three to five are doing it and you've got content for two messages, make two messages, the best two messages you're going to send out. So uh, I think three to five is where most brands typically fall within that realm. So I think it's a safe thing to say. Uh, so welcome. Here's what I, I always recommend to do with your messages. And this will kind of guide you for what you need to put in your messages or not. And then ultimately that determines how many you send is think about the intent of the shopper at that point. We're already talking about high intent, right? There's something there in their lives that is gravitating them toward that particular website or product or brand. What information right away do you want to give to them, right? So I always tell for a welcome series, great to tell your brand story, but did they sign up for emails so they could read about your brand story? And the answer most likely is no. So what you want to do is you want to focus on the value adds in all your messages. So whether it's welcome, cart, browse, uh, and that's focus on those competitive differentiators. So, you know, welcome them, but tell them about your, you know, customer support or free shipping or hassle-free returns or whatever is going to set you apart or give you a better chance when they go to the other site to check out competing products or similar products that you've got a leg to stand on there. User-generated content, testimonials on either products or testimonials in your customer, customer support, right? Testimonials on whatever it might be. Put those again, we want to, we want to build consumer confidence with each of these messages and give them a reason, make them say no, right? And if all things are equal and they say no, cause they go somewhere else for a better price or better, whatever, you know, you can't argue with that, but you'll set the good standard and they'll come back and check you out next time. And maybe you'll beat them then. Maybe they had a bad experience, but now you've got these value adds built in. Same thing for card. I think three messages in a card abandonment is good as uh, a starting place, but we have the ability to easily put splits in workflows now where you can say, okay, is card total under 25 bucks, right? Do I need three messages for something under 25 bucks? Maybe not, probably not, right? But if it's $200, the reason they were bending that shopping cart for 25 and 200, there's a huge difference there, right? Returns are probably more impactful or sizing fit or something like that, more impactful, you know, focus on there. Same with uh, order history, right? Did they ban them, but they're a loyal customer versus a, you know, a brand new customer. We can change series and messaging there. And then browse abandonment. 
you know, value adds huge, but we also have to understand that they're browsing, they're exploring, they want maybe more product information. Maybe we don't need three messages at that point. Maybe we just want to do one or two as a friendly nudge to get them back. And then we can retarget them elsewhere. Um, and then obviously we'll talk about SMS, but put SMS in there as well for those subscribers. I'll make it super quick on the B2B because I think the same things apply to B2B, right? The value adds, why your product's better, why your offerings are better, your services, whatever it might be. Um, but I think browse abandonment has a really good place you can do that. So if you're an agency that maybe does SEO and PPC work and you find out that they're on the SEO section of your site, you know, retargeting with content that says, you know, focuses on the SEO side of your business makes a lot of sense there, right? Same with software if you're selling that. So uh, the value ads are going to win out. I think the direction is just going to change a little bit based on what your, you know, services, products, whatever you're selling, and then you just kind of customize it. And if you look at for brands, when they look at this and they go through their value ads and write them down, they might just go, you know, a third message, I'm just forcing stuff now. If you're forcing it, cut it. You don't need it. And I like that idea of you don't want to overdo it because then the audience can tell and conversions may not be as good, but it's also good to keep in mind that you have a $25 product or a $200 product. Uh, there may be more expectation for more emails for the $200 products, but uh, each person has to look at their analytics. One of the things that I want to explore is uh, when someone subscribes to your list, they get the welcome sequence and that sequence eventually ends not everyone buys. And then the next sequence you would get in is you would need someone to perform an action, like go to a cart, add something to a cart, and then not do anything with it. And then you send them the uh, abandoned cart messages. What are the types of messages you're sending in the middle? Like I know people say value, like blog post, video, podcast, stuff like that. But is there any deeper uh, objective or planning with those in-between messages? Yeah, I think this is where, you, again, you can have a browse message, at, but again, you're you're demanding some sort of engagement from the user at that point, right? So browse kind of fits in the personalized engagement, but you're kind of relying on the customer at that point. Uh, you know, they're very infrequently used, but something like a never purchase series that you can automate. And you think about, you know, if you know your time from sign up to purchase in general, it might be one day, two days, a week, right? Based on whatever product, maybe you have a software you're trying to sell, right? You know, it's a week, you can set either that never purchase series to come right before that, or just after that, where, you know, they're kind of you can tip them over the scale, or, you know, they probably are not going to buy from you. And it's similar to a welcome series where you're going to highlight the value adds in your products, but you want to change that a little bit where, you know, as opposed, say you have a software and you're focusing on these features. Well, when you hit those the first time, maybe those weren't the features they need. So, you know, hey, did you know we also have, or these are included, right? You kind of change that concept of what's the value I'm getting from this? And, you know, what are the tools I need to be successful? Um, blog posts, you know, this is the tough thing with B2B marketing with email is that, you know, People kind of want that information very quickly. They want to digest it. And when you drive into a blog post, most blogs today are written for SEO purposes, which means they're really long, mm -hmm. right? So they're gonna they're probably gonna bounce out of that pretty quick. So is it really your best effort? And this is maybe where customer uh, success stories or something like that come in, utilizing stats in there. And I think you want to drive them to 
help them either get to a pricing guide or to a feature guide or something where they can digest it very quickly. Maybe don't have to interact with you. So, you know, if you're going to offer them something, don't make it and they're this far down the funnel. Don't make it gated or have to go through a sales team again. Just give them the information at that point and let them continue on that journey. And I think it's a lot of those contents really going to be the same as a welcome message or a welcome series content. You're just changing the framing of it, if you will. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I mean, like for most of my email experience, like when I'm reading other people's emails, I don't click links like I used to. I like to see the message in the email instead yeah. of uh, like, here's like this thing I just released and go click this link to check it out. Yeah. So, so you're talking about like the next, I'm the same way, by the way, um, you're talking about when you're thinking about this, the next step, right? So my next step with emails, of course, I want them to click, but what if they're like us and they don't click, right? Or what if they do click? What's the next, what do we want them to do afterwards? So click into a blog post, right? That blog post is most likely to find the drive them further down a funnel. So now you want them to click again when they get there. Now you're creating work for the customer, right? So if they're going to click and engage, that's where you want kind of mimic it, the email with our behavior at that point. That's where you want to provide that information in one spot form where they don't have to take another action. Or if that other action is like get a demo or sign up now, right? Or purchase whatever it might be. But you want to minimize that funnel, in my opinion, to shrink it, right? You want to shrink that, get the information, then let them choose whether they want to continue down that funnel. Uh, and then you have more flexibility at that point to maybe slow roll them or introduce someone else into the process or, you know, have a hard sale or a call to action at that point. But I would, myself, I would shrink the funnel a little bit, right? Present the information as quick as possible, easy as possible, least amount of clicks as possible. And I think also with funnels, like people have gone through more of them. So they have a better idea of what to expect in the process and they just want to get it over with where you can't just go straight from uh, first point of contact to sale, but it's being able to trim that down, build the relationship quicker and uh, have less filler uh, leading up to that sale. Uh, one of the things that we've been hinting at throughout this interview, though, is SMS. That is the um, thing that I want to talk about because the email that's been going pretty well for business owners and marketers, but SMS, I feel like is still a relatively like people don't tap into it as much and uh, people like when you see a text on your phone, people respond to that a lot quicker versus one of the hundreds of emails. So how can businesses integrate SMS into their omnipresent marketing strategy? And what has that been like for you? Yeah. So on the, on the D2C side, it's interesting because I, I mean, I helped retailers launch eight years ago. That's probably longer, nine years ago in store, like the brick and mortar stores launch SMS programs. And the ability to launch those now versus then, it's so much easier, right? You could just flick a switch. You could start doing SMS. The, the adoption of D2C has really blown up the last two years. That's really where that waterfall hit that tipping point and now it's gone. So stats report again last year, 62% uh, increase for us for sending SMS. We crossed 100 million last year. Year before was something, like, I don't have it off the top of my head. It was something like, 76% increase the year before that was like the 280, right? That's where you saw that huge jump, right? And then it just kind of trickled. 
D2C, I think it's pretty easy, right? You can just put those in the same automated workflow as we just talked about. So abandon a cart and we know they're an email and SMS subscriber. We can then balance those messages. So maybe your first touch or your last touch is the SMS. It's quick to respond. We try to get them in, but you can play around with that a little bit. Uh, and that's the beauty of it, right? We can put the same channels or multiple channels into the same workflow so we can customize those paths. I think the other thing that people don't, they, they often overlook whether B2B or D2C, especially on the B2B side is, right, I sign up because I want something, I'm buying the software, right? And I buy, and I sign up and I get this email and I know I'm going through this funnel. We just talked about it, right? We know it's coming. <laughs> Maybe I don't want your emails, right? But I just want to check something out. Maybe I want the welcome message, just kind of keep it so I can file it for later. But if you have an SMS option to give them something, right? Hey, check out our, um, you know, recent customer success story or, pricing calculator, whatever it might be, something quick there. And if they unsubscribe from your emails or they stop responding to them, you now have a second opt-in channel where you can communicate with them and kind of fill in those gaps. And maybe you can drive them back to email. Maybe you can drive them back to something more impactful. But then if we know if they're clicking on a pricing calculator, right, that we send to them, well, we know they're pretty far down the price. They want to, they want to get a price for them. We know they're far down that funnel. We can engage them some other way. It could be a phone call, whatever. And I think Replacing email unsubscribes is an infrequently talked about aspect of using SMS. And you know what? They can always opt out of SMS as well. But um, if they've opted into it, that's how they communicate. It's their sign of saying, yeah, this is how I want to get information quickly, digestible, and right at my fingertips, especially if I want to go back to it later, I've got an easy path for it. So I still think it's it's got some ways to go on the B2B side. Um, I think we're just, it, it, but you know, everyone texts now younger people. And I, I, I'm in my mid forties. So everyone's younger. Most everyone's younger to me, right? I just feel the aging creeping up, but, uh, this is something where like, they always tell you the Gen Zers, they're actually in the workforce now, right? And millennials are buying the majority of business B2B products now and they're sourcing things. So this is how they grew up. They're used to SMS. And these are things that it's not going anywhere, right? This is, there might be another channel that rolls along, but people are sending text messages. So cater to them. If they don't want to opt in, they don't have to. But I think having the ability to pinpoint that funnel a little bit more where they're at and test out different messages, I think is really impactful for them. And I, I think over the next couple of years, we'll see B2B start increasing it a lot more than we're seeing today. And it's really interesting to view SMS as this second communication method, and it can get unsubscribed people back into the fold, and they may become reengaged with your brand. Now, one of the things I know is like, if I'm receiving a message every single day via email, I could kind of overlook that because a lot of other people are, there's enough emails to, there's a lot going on there. But with SMS, if I were receiving a message every day from the same company, that'd be a little harder. So I'm wondering like in your data or what you've seen from your own experiences, like what would you say is a difference in frequency between email versus SMS messages? SMS by far fewer of them. Although some brands like my phones, it's blowing up right now, right? It's all marketing messages for the most part coming through. So, um, you know, I, I think... I'll give you the consultant's cop-out first because I used to be a consultant. I'd be like, oh, well, you should just test it, right? Test your send frequency. <laughs> of course we should test it. So email, I think if you're selling a product, right, on the D2C side, you can send seven days a week, right? I think four to five is where most brands wind up falling in. B2B, 
you probably want to be a little more careful about it, right? Fewer emails, but yeah, it's easy to ignore. I can ignore an SMS, but I've got to do work. I've got to unlock my phone. I've got to open it up and then hit delete, right? There's more steps there. So it, it can become more frustrating for the user if they're getting a bunch of them. So my gut, I have no science to tell me this. My gut would tell me on um, D to C, right? Three, anywhere from two to four times a week based on your brand and how often you're actually communicating what you're offering is probably going to be the sweet spot for you. Maybe once a week, nothing wrong with that. B2B, I'd probably go maybe once or twice, right? If, but you want to convey content there, right? I wouldn't send twice one week just because you're sending twice a week, right? If you've got a webinar coming up or you've got some new feature you want to uh, put out there or maybe a monthly upcap from product updates or something, right? Makes tons of sense because there's value for the consumer there. If we're just sending it to be like, hey, check out our new blog post, right? They're going to be opting out pretty quick there. So, uh, you know, an ongoing communication, right? Outside of the typical funnels, I'd probably go maybe once a week, once every two weeks. Um, if it's just, you know, they're, they're buying something B2B and they've gone through these different funnels and they're just a non-purchaser, sending them three, something two times a week is probably not going to be help, too helpful for you. You want to really be selective about what you want to give them. Um, so it's a really generic, broad answer for you. Probably doesn't help people a lot, but again, always think about the value and think about where those customers are in, in that buying cycle or, or presumed buying cycle and just make the content match accordingly. And I, I will say the one thing that, that B2B, D2C, it doesn't really matter, right? The one thing that people rarely do or don't do as frequently enough, and then you bring it up and like, oh man, we should be totally be doing that. It's like, go through it yourself, right? Buy from yourself if you are selling something, right? And what is that experience like? What is the transactional messages and post-purchase messaging? What, ask yourself, what would help me here if I was shopping for it? B2B is the same thing. Sign up for the email. See if they resonate with you if you're shopping for that product. See if you know that pricing stuff comes over quick enough. Do you like the SMS when they come through? And so small, you know, have five people in your company do it and then compare notes afterward and say, okay, how do we optimize this a little bit more? I mean, anytime I'm looking at an email or any media at this point, because I'm a business freelance writer, so I pay attention more even to like the writing style of stuff. I think, is this something that I enjoy? What do I like about it? What do I not like about it? Because looking at other people's work helps you as a marketer, as a writer, and even going through your own sequences, because you could feel like you've learned a lot, but if you're using uh, automation based on stuff you knew a year ago, you got to get it up to date if you go through it and you feel like there should be some changes. Yeah. And I like what you said there too, because I think looking, looking outside of your particular niche of an industry is, is really helpful for a lot of brands too, uh, when they're trying to position something. So, you know, if, if you think about, you know, we run these conversations a lot, but um, you know, let's, let's say I'm selling software, right? It's a good example. If I'm selling software, why shouldn't I look at either what D to C does on like pet foods or something, or something that, you know, maybe it's a, some, a deficiency, efficiency tool, like Asana or something, right. Content marketing, uh, type tool, which is not really maybe a marketing software I might be shopping for, but what are they doing to attract people and how are they communicating to people in here, right? And and look, beg, borrow, and steal, right? Look at what you like, look at what you don't like, and beg, the, you know, take the stuff that that you like and apply it to your own industry. And, and buyers are buyers, 
right? They don't, if I'm shopping for a pair of shoes, I'm looking at shoes, I'm looking at specs, I'm looking at size guides, I'm looking at price. I'm doing the same thing if I'm buying a marketing software, right? I'm looking, is is it the right fit? Is, what's the price going to cost me? What are, you know, maybe my clawback options or how how hard is it to integrate and switch from what I currently have, right? The buyers are going through the same journey. It's just you're filling in product, right? Or so, you're filling in the end unit, the widget at the end. Uh, but they're they're doing the same calculations, whether they're buying something for themselves or buying something for a business. So how do we fit that and how we make it match best? I mean, just being able to take a step back, be a consumer for a little bit, look at your own brand as well. You could get a lot of great insights with that that guide you with your omnipresent marketing strategy. Greg, I know you have software available for business owners who like it just streamlined the whole process because this stuff can get very complicated quickly. So I'm wondering if you could share with us uh, the software you provide and some of the uh, places we can find you on the web. Yeah, sure thing. So uh, obviously OmniSend, so OmniSend.com, pretty basic for you. Um, it's OmniSend at all the social channels that you would expect. So LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. Um, I believe we have a TikTok now as well. So go check that out. Uh, so software itself, we are uh, email and SMS marketing automation platform. Uh, we have users, we're built specifically for e-commerce brands, but we have uh, B2B, plenty of B2B brands that also use us. Uh, we integrate, if you're D2C, we integrate with uh, all the major e-com platforms in a couple minutes, right? A couple clicks synced up there. So if you think about Shopify, big commerce, whatever it might be, uh, super easy. So beyond just email and SMS, we have platform is great, right? Super user-friendly, uh, you know, we can scale with you, we're cheap. We also have a free option if you want to just play around with it, test it out, or you have a small list. We also have the other things that we talk about, like a holistic experience here. So we have web push messages that we offer directly in the platform as well. So uh, something that is increasingly being used the last couple of years, still, I think, on its way up, right? There's still some playing around to do, but the growth has been phenomenal on there. So we have web push, again, same workflows, we can tie them all together. And then we also have a near real-time sync with like Facebook and Google uh, platforms or meta, Google, uh, meta and Google platforms. So... You know, you think about using the data for email, SMS, and web push, and being able to automatically sync those to the segments you're doing for either lookalike audiences or, uh, you know, we know that we're targeting on on uh, paid search and they came and purchased five minutes ago, right? So why don't we resync that so we can save on paid search? You know, uh, we're not retargeting the same person there or Facebook or Instagram, whatever it might be. So. Uh, we kind of have everything built in the platform to minimize the other software you need, make it super e easy to use however you want to use it best. Well, Breakthrough Success listeners, OmniSend is going to be included in the show notes. It sounds like you got all these complicated things going on. OmniSend makes it super easy with all their integrations and their functionality. Greg, thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today. It was a pleasure to be here, Mark. And if anyone has any questions about whatever, right? I'm an open book. You can find me, just search and uh, I'll be happy to respond to you, however. So thank you.